This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hello everyone, this is the weekly program of Wesley Broadway Methodist Church in Palmerston North, coming to you through Manawatu People's Radio. My name's John Thornley and I have with me in the studio today my wife Gillian. Welcome Gillian. Thank you. And we're going to launch a new book. So this is an auspicious occasion. Gillian, would you give the name of the book we're going to launch? Yes, this book is called Knowing the Song, and then it has a long subtitle, A Companion to the Publications of the New Zealand Hymn Book Trust from 1993 to 2009, together with the New Zealand supplement to With One Voice, which was published in 1982. And who is the author? The author is Colin Gibson. Colin lives in Dunedin, and he is a past professor of English at the University of Otago for many, many years, and a church organist for even more years, and still is. Now let's talk about him him writing in New Zealand. When did New Zealand people start writing hymns in a significant way, Gillian? Well, I really don't know the exact answer to that, but I do know that in my childhood uh, it never occurred to any of us that Ordinary people could write hymns. They all came in in thick hymn books with hard covers. And uh, I think our most recent one had been published in 1933 or something like that. And they were hymns that had been gathered from the 17th, 18th century, some of them even earlier. Uh, but I do know that uh, one hymn... Uh, which we do sing, particularly at Christmas time, Te Haranui, was written by Willow Mackey, and that would have been in the 1950s. And she wrote two or three other uh, songs that uh, could be qualified as being hymns as well. Now, how is the the book, which is called A Companion, uh, Set out or its structure, its main, what it mainly covers, Gillian? Well, it describes the hymns that are in uh, the publications of the New Zealand Hymn Book Trust. Uh, it's set out according to the first line or title of the hymn, and it tells us 
a little bit of information about the hymn. Uh, Colin researched this with the authors, the people who wrote, and the people who wrote music as well, so that we get information uh, from the writer about what they were thinking of when they wrote the hymn, what some of the things in the hymn meant to them. And then we also get information from the writer of the music. Now we're going to each share uh, one entry for one hymn and I've chosen to talk about a hymn by Sister Cecily Sheehy. And the title of this hymn is The Kingdom is Within You. Now, there's a bit of repetition in what I say, but I understand for some of you, this will be a new hymn text. For others, it will be familiar. After I've done the introduction, which draws on what Colin has entered in his companion, I will then have a version to play for you. Now, there are many ideas in the book for, for preachers, and when I read the explanation of the kingdom is within you, some of you who may be worship leaders can see a three-point sermon, as it were. Let me read you the chorus. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. Why do we go searching for the answers of the mighty? The kingdom is within you. Like a little seed planted in the ground, let it grow. In the companion, Colin shares how the words all come from well-known Bible passages. They're words spoken by Jesus, such as, The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. That is, among you. But in the chorus, the writer changes it to, The kingdom of God is within you. This saying is then linked to the parable of the mustard seed. Like a little seed planted in the ground, let it grow. That text is found in both Matthew and Mark, and they stress the smallness of the seed. Now here's verse 1. I will set my face to the wind, scatter my handful of seed on high. Didn't have to worry where the great wind takes it. Seeds will grow wherever they're planted. All we need is courage to keep on facing the wind. The hymn writer gives us a different version of the parable of the sower. In ancient times, the normal practice was to throw the seed to each side and it's caught up in the forward motion of the wind. But in Sister Sheehy's image, the seed is tossed into the face of the prevailing wind, suggesting, perhaps, fighting against the forces of secular society. The stress is placed on the courage required to keep on facing the wind. Verse 2 draws on another saying of Jesus. No man, having put his hand to the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. There are a number of biblical passages implying that the fullness of the kingdom is not quite yet. But here, the singers, 
are enjoined to patiently persist and not split the seed. That is, they are to hold to their Christian faith. As is stated in John 17, 21, the followers are urged that they may all be one. So here's the whole of verse 2. I will set my hand to the plough. Don't look back. It's too late now. The fullness of the kingdom is not quite yet, but the seed of the kingdom is here and now. Don't split the seed. Be patient. Let it grow. So that's how Colin wrote about the words. Now, about the music, he writes, Cecily Sheehy uses a driving dotted rhythms and chromatic melodic movement of secular rock music. I would call this beat rhythm and blues, which was the dominant style of African-American music of the 40s and into the 50s. The white people called it rock and roll when they took over in the mid-50s and onwards. I look forward to the song being put on the pop charts one day. Now we'll hear the hymn performed by the Colavoce Choir of Havelock North High School. Now that was the beautifully rhythmic The Kingdom is Within You by Sister Cecily Sheehy. I'm John Thornley and Gillian, my wife, is with us and we are launching the book called Knowing the Song. Gillian, who will find this a valuable, important and uh, interesting book? Well, I'm sure that anybody with an interest in uh, music and hymns and words will find it interesting. But I have to warn you that it isn't the kind of book 
to sit down and read your way through because it is really rather like a dictionary that uh, you can – it's the sort of book to dip into and in particular if you're wanting to know about a song or some words that are there, I think it will be particularly useful to people who are worship leaders and who are choosing hymns and songs and want a few words to say about them uh, and also to musicians, those who are church musicians, they will find a lot of interest in it. Now, how will our listeners find more information about where they might get hold of this book and perhaps purchase a copy? Well, there is a website. Uh, if you type into your Google, uh, books, PGPL, all lowercase, uh, it will take you to the website of Philip Garside Publishing Limited and they have published this book and they are selling it. And you can, I think, get a digital copy of it uh, or there are a few hard copy printed ones as well. I'm very fond of the, uh, the, the word knowing the song uh, because the, the text of this is uh, more than information you get some of the, the the theology or the understandings about God and living the Christian life that the hymn writer would like to share. Over time, you build a relationship with the, the hymns, with the music. It's very important for your faith journey. And that's perhaps where companion, which implies friendship's a good word. Yes, it's something that you can always have alongside you to check things out with. Um, and I guess there was something else I was going to say about this. What was it? It's gone. <laughs> It'll come back. Philip Garside, who is a publisher as well as retailer of books, has done a wonderful job of setting this book out. It's nearly 450 pages. It's got a beautiful front cover with the Pahutakawa flower on it. And uh, you've been given the website, I'll say it again, Books, P-G-P-L, and all one word, P-G, Philip Garside, and P-L, Publishing Limited. And uh, if you click then on Knowing the Song, I'm sure you'll get more information on how to purchase this book. So what we've been listening to, you heard my uh, summary of what Colin summarised for the kingdom is within you. Now Gillian is going to take a second hymn and this one is written by Bill Bennett. Thank you, Gillian. Yes, Bill Bennett uh, wrote both the words and the music for this particular one uh, and it is called Whispering Gently the Breeze from the Mountain. Bill is an Anglican minister and he is now retired and has spent most of his ministry in the Hawke's Bay region. He was actually born in Danavirk and grew up there and he has had a lot of ministry to rural people as well as working 
uh, in the larger churches in the cities. Uh, The hymn Whispering Gently is inspired by the springtime season in the largest pippin stone fruit orchards of Aotearoa, spread out on the Heratonga Plains. In the words of Bill, springtime, there is a season of dazzling colour, especially the whites and pinks of the apple, pear and plum trees. Whispering gently evokes the splendour of that season and that it is a time when winter is past and all the hopes of spring hold promise for the future. The opening verses speak of the gentle breeze blowing off the Kaweka range of Hawke's Bay, stirring our senses of sight, sound and touch. The keraru, or native pigeon, feeding off the forest berries and then flying away overhead. New pastures grow in warmth of the green, while the orchard blooms are bursting with colour, and the heralds of gold in the flowers of the kōwhai announce that spring should be seen. So here are the first two verses. Whispering gently the breeze from the mountain beckons our senses to what it may say, fresh from the snows that are melted by sunshine, stirred by the keraru, flying away. Bursting with colour, the orchards surround us, grasses that grow in the warmth of the green, heralds of gold in the flowers of the kōwhai, nature announces that spring should be seen. The Hawke's Bay is a landscape shaped by human hard work over many years. But how does the hymn writer, as an ordained minister, see the Spirit of God at work in this setting? Quoting from Bill Bennett, he says, If the Northern Hemisphere spring, which occurs during Lent, looks forward to the renewal of hope at Easter, then the Southern Hemisphere spring is also a reminder of our need for repentance and renewal within our own lives, warmed by the love that God brings in all creation. Bill remarks that a drive through the countryside in spring gives us the opportunity to see thousands of newly born lambs and calves, and these come in, In the next verse, birth of the new is the sign of the Spirit, God the Creator and Jesus our Lord, lambs on the hillsides and calves on the pastures, leaping in sunshine and dancing your word. The images of nature's yearly cycle come into the fourth and final verse. Spirit of hope in the Christ who renews us, lighten our winter of anguish with spring, washed with the showers of loving forgiveness, warmed by the rays of the love that you bring. As Colin Gibson highlights, the chorus has a distinctive use of the phrase blossom in Blossom Our Love. 
This means bring our love into flower. The challenge to singers is there in the chorus, summing up the theme of the hymn. Blue sky, Lord of creation, freshen our faith, blossom our love. Deep green, Lord of creation, springtime of faith, the spirit of love. Now we'll hear the hymn presented by the Wellington City Songsters with director Eva Key. you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. 